Folks, it'd be great if you had that Philippians passage open before you, page 1181. Is this okay, me being at the front here, being German and all? Interesting times, eh? <laughs> I was nervous about Tuesday. I thought Tuesday was the day this week to be nervous about. Um, that all worked out pretty well, didn't it? We um, all got what we needed. Um, Thursday's uh, given people a little bit more to think about in terms of how they uh, feel about uh, the way the, the referendum worked out. We'll think about that briefly in our prayers of intercession uh, later on. In the meantime, we continue, and actually we're going to complete this series of studies together in, in, in Philippians going to deal with these closing verses really quite quickly. So um, verse 10, Paul gives us an idea there of what this last section of his letter is going to be all about. And in doing so, he gives us one last reason uh, for joy. Uh, that's something we've been noticing as we've gone through the letter to the Philippians. We've noticed the, the different reasons that Paul gives for finding joy. Uh, and the verse 10, we see a final one. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Verse 18, he makes it explicit. Well, what form does that renewed concern take? He says, I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now as I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. So these final verses tell of a joy that Paul finds in generous support that he's received from the Philippians. As I say, we're going to deal with this really quite quickly, but we do need to take a moment, otherwise we could uh, lift these last verses and get, get the wrong end of the stick. Let's see what he, Paul's really saying, why, uh, or, or what the true source of his joy is here. The Philippians have given him money, and that makes him glad. Now, at first, that sounds a bit weird. It's almost as if Paul's motive for ministry might be money. Uh, wait a minute, we find ourselves thinking, we, surely Paul's all about, all about Jesus, all about the gospel, all about uh, seeing people coming to faith, and he'll do that, and he'll do that work, and he'll suffer. And now here he is, just very clearly and explicitly saying, thanks for the cash. I'm delighted you gave money. Is this the moment where Paul's mask slips and we see the, the materialist underneath? He's been a, a skilled, uh, skilled at hiding it, but actually he's all about the money. Well, if you look more closely at the text and think of what we know of Paul's life, uh, we know very quickly that that's not the case. Paul told the Philippians in verse 10 that he was joyful at their renewed concern. But that, that money that they sent him, it doesn't have the power to bring him joy. Look at verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever my circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Have you learned it? That same secret? It's one of life's most profound lessons, I think. Contentment is true wealth. If you don't have it, then you could have all the money and wealth in the world and still be the poorest man. It's possible to have very little and to be content, and I know people like that. And it's possible to have loads and to lack contentment. And I know a lot of people like that. Paul's found the answer, and it's all in Jesus. If I've understood him right, he's saying something like this. If I have Christ, I have everything. If I have everything and don't have Christ, I have nothing. I have Christ. And so, I have everything. I'm the best provided for man in all the world. In different circumstances, um, we might take more time to think a little bit further about that. But today I'm going to keep moving forward. Let's come back to Paul then. This gift that he's received from the Philippians, if he's not into the money, why is he so excited about the gift? If he's learned to be content in his circumstances, why does the generosity of Philippian Christians excite him so much? Well, he tells us verse 17. He stresses one last time that he's not interested in the money for his own sake, not that I'm looking for a gift, and then he tells us why he's so excited. I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Paul's interested in what may be credited to the account of those in Philippi. What does that mean? Well, Paul's great passion for these guys is to see them grow and flourish in Jesus. So he says, chapter 1, verse 25. I don't know if you remember those verses towards the end of chapter 1. He's actually telling us that he'd love to go and be with Jesus. But he says this, verse 25. I'll continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. He wants to see them progress. That's what he's all about. So whenever they give him this financial support, for him that's an expression that, yes, they are progressing. So he's delighted because that's what he wants. Chapter 1, verse 11, he prayed for them that they'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Every time they put their money, their hand in their pocket, put their money where their mouth is, then Paul says he's seeing that fruitfulness that he'd been praying for. That's why Paul's excited about this gift of money. For Paul, the money, I think, is finally irrelevant. What counts is what God's doing in the lives of these people in Philippi. 
And the money gift is simply a, an indicator of that, a barometer of what God's doing in their hearts. I always think that's an interesting one, this idea that what we do with our money is a barometer of what God's doing in our hearts. I've been in small group discussions and I've heard ingenious excuses for why that's not the case. Oh yes, but, and off we go. And there'd be some variation on the theme. Paul says that when Christ has your heart, he has your wallet too. And I, for one, I'm inclined to think that he's right. Folks, I'm your pastor, and when I read Paul's letters, I try to say to myself, this way that Paul talks to his church, is that something I can identify with? Well, absolutely. That phrase, I'm looking for what may be accredited to your account, I love seeing acts of sacrificial service. I love to see moments of sacrificial giving because because of what those speak of. They speak of God having gripped your heart, having won you over, Him becoming your great obsession, and you living lives of gratitude and thanksgiving to Him. Folks, I'm not very given to the material side of life. I'm going to say that. You can be the judge of it. I've lived in your company for 12 years, some of you, or more. But I get very excited when I see people willing to give and to serve because I see it as a sign that God is at work. Folks, That's all I want to do, really, with that passage this morning. I want to spend a few moments summarizing the whole of the book. This is going to be uh, really very brief, three or four minutes. We've called this series of studies in Philippians Surprised by Joy. And if you remember, we said, the reason we give it that title is that we said right at the outset that the joy that Paul has is different than the kind of joy that we often look for. It's an inside-out kind of a joy. Normally, we imagine that joy depends on our circumstances. So if things are going well in my family, in my work, uh, X, Y, or Z, then I'm joyful. And if they're not, then I'm miserable. But for Paul, it's different. His circumstances are difficult, but he seems to find his joy in the, the perspectives and motives of a, of a godly heart. So throughout our course, we we found eight different sources of joy in Paul's letters. Uh, Let's fire these up one at a time. So the first one, joy in his partners. If you had the book open, you could sort of skim and maybe remember some of these verses. I'm not going to really say very much about it. Joy in the partnership that he was having with the guys in Philippi. Joy that he's able to promote Christ, even though he's locked in a prison cell. Joy in people living Christ-like lives, having the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Joy in seeing the stars, that is, looking at people who who shine like stars before him. And he mentioned a couple of his colleagues there. The next one's joy in his own identity in Christ. Then joy in his citizenship in heaven. Joy in God's nearness. And then finally today, joy in generous support. I had a look at those eight categories 
And to make life simpler, we might notice a common thread. Sorry, uh, we might notice that those eight things actually can be subdivided into two different areas. In green, those joys are all to do with his joy in the guys in Philippi. They're his partners. They're living Christ-like lives. He sees them shine like stars. There's joy in their generous support. The other four are joy. That joy is more personal to his own life. I can still preach Christ. My identity's in Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. God is near. So whenever we sort of summarize it all and streamline it all, we find Paul excited in the end about two things. He's excited that Christ is working in the guys in Philippi, and he's excited that Christ is working in him. And even there, there's a common thread, isn't there? Paul's joy in this letter is Christ. I spent Wednesday to Friday of this week in Germany at a family funeral. It was a a dearly loved uncle of mine um, who passed away last weekend. Um, So I was at the funeral service, uh, quite a formal uh, affair. Northern Germans might well give Ulster Scots a run for their money in emotionally subdued um, kind of landscape. Stoic kind of people. But in a, in a wonderful Christian service, the gospel couldn't help but shine through. One of the hymns, I think they were using words of an old Luther hymn set to a back tune. The opening verse, Christus, der ist mein Leben, sterben ist mein Gewinn. Ihm will ich mich vergeben, mit Fried fahr ich dahin. Christ is my life. Death is my gain. I will give myself to him. In peace, I'll go to him. The poetry might be Luther's, but the words are Paul's. Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's all about Jesus. If I get to live further, I live for his glory. And if I get to die, I get to go and be in his fuller and more final presence. I wonder as we've immersed ourselves in this book of Philippians, as we've paid attention to Paul and to his joy in this part of God's word, I wonder whether the Spirit has been working in us. I wonder whether any of this has been rubbing off on us. Whether we've been increasingly able to say the same thing. For me, to live is Christ. We're going to spend our last few moments coming back to the passage that we looked at today because I want to show you a connection and then I'll, I'll be done. 
Paul's joy and generous support, those closing verses of the whole letter. Actually, when you pay attention, we discover that that theme is really, really central to the book of Philippians. The joy that he finds in the support that he has from the guys in Philippi. It, it must be central because it bookends the whole book. Paul's opening source of joy, if you remember, the early verses of chapter 1, it's his partnership in the gospel with these guys. And now in these closing verses, he's coming back to the same place and he's thanking them for their financial partnership with him. So it's the same thing really. Paul begins this letter and ends this letter by celebrating a partnership that he has. Paul is a church planter. He's someone who goes out on a limb to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to new places and to new communities. But this letter is all about his partnership with the church in Philippi. Those who have stayed where they are, but who encourage and support him as he goes. Wouldn't it be great if somebody could write a letter like this to Kirkpatrick Memorial? If somebody was saying about us, those opening verses of chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Wouldn't it be great if we were increasingly a source of joy for people who were doing gospel ministry somewhere else? I'm going to hand back to Dan. Uh, for a few minutes, just to talk about an opportunity that we have to enter right into this kind of territory. Thanks very much, Christoph. Um, so I want to take you back to that illustration that we used earlier. and thinking that here in Kirkpatrick Memorial, could we be at risk of holding on to and hoarding all of the blessing and the goodness that we've known in these last years. If we did have a neighbor in our community who was in really deep need and we didn't do anything about that, what that might that say about the health of our community here in Kirkpatrick? So I don't know how many were here two weeks ago, but it was the service uh, where our young people um, were really leading us in our worship. And it was one of the most moving, most powerful, one of the most inspirational services that I've been involved in for a very, very long time. It was wonderful to see um, these little gifts displaying their gifts. It's amazing to think that we have 170 young people here in Kirkpatrick who get exposure to such wonderful teaching to such loving leaders um, and the encouragement and the support that they get through all the youth organizations that we have. But hopefully on my right here, we're going to see some children and some young people from the Clarewood estate. And those kids do not get what our kids have. And I can't believe that our God loves them any less or wants any less for them. So we're talking about Clarewood Community Church. This is a church that is within our parish. 
and it's the only church for the whole of that estate. It's only about half a mile from here, but that wee story that I gave you earlier on about the kids swinging on the gates, climbing on the fences, waiting for somebody to come and open up the doors to welcome them in and tell them about Jesus, that is a reality. And unfortunately, since March, there's not been an opportunity to run a Sunday club within that church. You see, that little church is going through a hard season. At the moment, they have six members, and they are holding on by their fingertips. Those of you who were here in Kirkpatrick 14 or 15 years ago might be able to resonate with that, because it's probably not that different from the general mood and the atmosphere that was uh, in, in Kirkpatrick before Christoph arrived. So they're tired and they're worn out from years and years of faithful service. And the Sunday school has not been in operation since March. So for us as a leadership, when we are considering the blessing that we've known here in Kirkpatrick, and we see this great need on our doorstep, we've felt God calling us to do something about it. Not just for their good, but also for our good, for our congregation too. You see, if we're the recipients of all this blessing from God, and if we don't do anything about it, we don't share it, we don't look beyond the walls of our church, do you think that we can really hope and expect that this blessing is just going to continue to be poured into Kirkpatrick if it doesn't flow out again? We've been looking together with Christoph and Richie at Philippians. And if you take that story of Philippians back to Acts and see how it all came about, you'll see that the only reason why Paul was there in Philippi was because he answered what is known as the Macedonian call. He was bound elsewhere. He had other plans. He had somewhere else to go. But one night in a vision, he had a dream, and he saw a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. We need you you now. Come and help us. So that's what he did. So as we think about this plan of giving life away, whether that be with an eye to something in this city centre or maybe thinking about uh, rejuvenating or planting in other churches within East Belfast Presbytery, well, we actually have brothers and sisters in our own neighbourhood, in our own parish, saying, come over here. We need some help. We've got our own Macedonian call. Do you remember not so long ago we spent a lot of time uh, with Jesus in Luke's Gospel? We got to know him a little bit better. I don't know how you found that experience. I found it pretty unsettling and a wee bit uncomfortable. He's not an easy guy to, to be around. And he seems to call and ask for more and more of you when you get deep down into, into what he's all about. So he was always saying things like, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He was saying, I'm here for the unrighteous, not the righteous. And he really, really loved poor people. He spent a lot of time with them, and he had a lot to say about them. He was always hanging about with these really dodgy characters, you know, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners. And what about that amazing line, he who has been forgiven much loves much, he who has been forgiven little loves little. 
So if Jesus came to visit us here in Valley Hackamore, I think he'd love to be around Kirkpatrick for a while. Okay, I think he would love to be here to encourage us and to spur us on and probably give us a bit of a challenge too. Maybe give us a, um, a bit of a G up. But you know, I don't think he would stay too long because if you look at the Gospels, the kind of people that really needed him, they're the kind of people that are in Clarewood at the moment. He'd have a lot of work to do down in that estate. So he'd come and visit us but if you wanted to find him, I'd probably point you in the direction of Clarewood and say, go down there and see what he's up to. So before I close, I want to just tell you a couple of things about what we're planning and a few things about maybe what it's not about. The plan is in black and white in your bulletin, so you might want to open it up and have a look and read it, read it carefully. Our family, that's Jude, myself, Hannah, Cora and Patrick, are going to begin to try and share some life with our brothers and sisters in Clarewood Community Church and share some of this life that we've enjoyed here over the years in Kirkpatrick. But we are not just going to Clarewood to try and do nice things for poor people. For those of you who don't know, my day job is as GP and I work in Bangor. Half of my patients uh, would be from Kilcooley. And that's probably a very similar demographic to Clarewood Estate. And I've seen the problems that there are in an estate like that. I've heard it from the lives spilled out in my surgery. And I've seen it in the house calls to sick and vulnerable and lonely people. I know that there are going to be a lot of people in that estate who need better access to education, to health care, to employment. They need to be freed from the addictions to alcohol to drugs and from sectarianism and paramilitary activity. I know that, but I believe that they need Jesus more. We're going, first of all, to help to try and build a church, a place where lives can be transformed. Number one, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, by people living in a community where we love and where we serve each other, and for that to be a winsome thing. And number three, by trying to look out to the people around us and to serve them in acts of love that, again, might draw people towards Jesus. The second thing that it's not is it's not going to be a big show. We've got Brexit. We do not want Kirkpat exit. We, uh, we want it to be small scale. There's going to be no lights and smoke machines, no background music, no grand launch. This is going to be a very slow burner. So I don't know after this little thing or reading your bulletin whether anybody is going to come with us. But what we're saying is we really don't want a whole big crowd. You see, we'd love to see a church here on the Newton Arch Road and a church in Clarawood where the edges between the two become increasingly blurred, where life flows back and forth between the two. But for now, it has to be small enough so that people on the estate can come along to that church and they can feel that it's their place, that they have ownership of it, and it's something that they will be able to grow and to sustain. I've had Clarewood on the back of my mind now probably for nearly a decade. 
But even if you told me last year that I would be up at the front of church talking like this and encouraging you to think carefully about Clarawood, number one, I'd be pretty surprised. And number two, I'd really hope that you'd got me mixed up and you were actually thinking of somebody else. You see, the truth is I love it here in Kirkpatrick. And my kids love it here too. And if I'm really being honest, I'd much rather stay. And yet, quite independently, coming at it from quite different routes, Jude and I have come to the conclusion that right now, we should be throwing our lot in with the folk in Clarewood and doing what we can. For Jude, it's been a quiet, calm assurance She's been very steady. For me, it's been about 90% fear, doubt, and turmoil, with maybe about 10% of conviction, faith, hope, and love. Why do I say this? Because it's not an easy decision for anybody to make. Okay? And I just want everybody, no matter what your initial reaction to this might be, I just want you to consider it. I want you to think. If you're looking for a list of excuses, in sleepless nights, I could give you hundreds. Too young, too old, working too hard. My kids are not at the right stage. It's not fair on my kids. Too middle class, too comfortable. Actually, I prefer being safe or just plain terrified. And I've got loads more. But with God's help, we're going to go and we're going to try. So please take the bulletin away, think about it, and anybody that's coming at the end of the service and saying, this is for me, and signing up, I'll tell you to go away and think about it some more, okay? We're probably looking towards the middle of August to have some people thinking that this might be for you. So pray about it, maybe even fast over it. Maybe go for a walk around Clarawood, get your bearings just off the Sandown Road, and see Could you imagine God coming in and moving in power in this place? Martin Symington, uh, who leads the Little Clarewood Church, uh, and Gloria Ross and their families, they're going to be coming and worshipping with us for a time here in Kirkpatrick. So if you see somebody you don't recognise, why don't you put out your hand, and it just might be them. Get a a chance to to know them, to welcome them, and uh, to hear a little bit more about their story in Clarawood. I'm going to finish with a little prayer um, that has been very significant to Jude and I over the last few months as we've thought about this and gone on this journey together. We don't know what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like. We've got no guarantees of any kind of success in whatever ministry there's going to be, and it might not even be the right thing But we feel there's a sense of God calling us to to do this and we're just going to try and do our little bit and be obedient. So listen to this prayer with me uh, as, 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 as we close. Heavenly Father, this is what we are about. We plant the seeds that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted. 
knowing that they hold promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, but there is a sense of liberation in knowing that. This enables us to do something and to do it well. It may be incomplete, but it's a beginning as a step along the way. An opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the results, but this is the difference between the worker and the master builder. We are the workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are the prophets of the future, not our own. And in Jesus Christ, we will trust. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for, uh, for listening to that. We're going to continue to worship together, and we're going to stand and sing, The Joy of the Lord is Our Strength. Thank you.